Matthew in chapter 11. The verses on the screen. You open your Bibles, if you will, tonight, if you have those with you, or you can read along in the screen. So Matthew chapter 11, looking at verse uh, 28 and 30. We've already read that in our reading this evening. The Bible says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So we established last week, we built up really and truly for the past five weeks, this, this theme, if you will, this legacy, living a life worth leaving to others for this year. And as we looked at last week, we saw the central characteristics of who and what Jesus is. We find exactly his central core, what his heart is, and that he is meek and he is lowly. And that doesn't mean that he's weak and slurping. And I said this last week, never mistake meekness for weakness nor lowliness for laziness. For the penitent in heart, the Lord's heart is a meek embrace, never outmatched by our sins, never outdone by our failures. I mean, never outmatched by our insecurities, doubts, anxieties, our shortcomings, no matter what we have in our life, no matter what we have done. His meek and lowliness will always supersede those things in our life. Lowly meekness is not one way that Jesus occasionally acts toward others, but meekness is who he is. It is his heart, and it was seen in his actions toward others upon this world. And guys, that's how he left this life. Jesus cannot unmeek himself toward others no more than you and I can change our eye color. It simply is who he is, just like our eye color is who we are. So just a bit of review, guys. So we find the, the meek and lowly in heart, Jesus simply said last week, come. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He invites the lost to come, but he also continues to invite the same, the born again, to come, for he is accessible. We heard that he was approachable. We know that he calls because he is accountable to give you rest. If he says to come to him, and he says, I'm going to give you rest for your souls, that is a promise that he has made, and he has to hold it. He's accountable. He, he, he's made that deal. He says, come to me. All you labor, come to me. Those who are heavy late, I'll give you rest for your souls, unto your souls. And if he said that, if he has said that's what he's done, he has written that in a contract. He is accountable to holding that together. So the heart of Jesus Christ is the epitome of meekness and lowliness. And just a reminder from last week in verse 29, out of the 89 chapters that are found in the four Gospels, verse 29 of Matthew chapter 11 is the only verse where Jesus himself tells, up, tells us of his heart. It's where he reveals who he truly is, who he tells us, what he's made of. It is the singular verse that Jesus Christ makes it clear his very core. But watch what he prefaces it with. He prefaces this revealing verse with verse 28 where he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is the caveat. We heard this last week. It's just by way of introduction to get into where we are this evening. But no one needs to unburden themselves or to collect themselves or to make themselves better or to fix themselves up or to, to let the load off or to stop the labor to come to Jesus. That is our very qualification to come to him. Those who are laboring, those who are heavy laden, he just says, come, I'll give you rest. His rest is a gift. It's not a transaction. It's not you're swapping for something. It's he just says, come to him. So some, if, most, if not most people in life, Christians included, are vigorously working themselves. They are strong. Say this, they are strong-arming themselves through life today, trying to find peace and trying to find rest. They want to do that. They're chasing it. And it's just what it is, guys. Jesus is referring to you when he says, all ye who labor. That's who he's talking to. If you're working every single day, day in and day out, just to find that rest, just to find that moment of joy, just to find that peace in your life tonight, 
He's speaking to you. You know who you are. I mean, he may hit you dead between the eyes tonight. That may be who it is, but you're a horse chasing a carrot. You're a mouse in a maze trying to get to the other end of the cheese. You just want the rest, and you're doing everything in your capabilities to try to find it in your life. You change your positions, you're searching, you're looking for that peace, and that the rest that you so hard desire is eluding you at every turn. On the other side of the corn, many today are in our world, they're, they're passively finding themselves uh, weighed down by something outside of their control, something that's happened to them in the past, or something that is occurring right now, which is not one bit of their own fault. And Jesus is talking to you too. He's saying that you're, you're heavy laden. He said you're loaded down. You're carrying this burden. Either way, guys, Jesus' desire, his heart's desire is for you personally to find rest. He's not interested in you remaining in a state of disarray. Jesus is not interested in you living in the midst of chaos or complete unsettledness. That's not how he works, and that's not how he's going to operate either. He's asking you to come to him in the midst of the storm, and you're going to find rest. Yeah, the winds are going to continue to blow. The rain is going to continue to come down. The thunder is going to clap, and the lightning is going to strike us. That's what a storm is. And we're all going to go through storms in our life, and some of you may be going through them right here, right now. He's not saying, get rid of the storm and come to me. He says, come to me in the midst of the storm, and I'm going to give you rest, even though the wind's blowing, the rain's falling, the thunder's clapping, and the lightning is striking. That's what he's telling you to do. Can I say this to you tonight, guys, that the Christian life is inescapably a life of toil, and labor. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, it says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundant than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. That's the Apostle Paul writing that. He's writing, writing it to one of the most mixed up churches in all of the Bible, the church of Corinth. He's writing them, he's correcting them, he's telling them uh, what they're doing wrong and what they need to do, but Paul makes it very clear who and what he is. He says, it's by the grace of God, I am what I am. Why, why is Paul saying that? Who was Paul before he was saved, born again, an apostle? Well, he was always called Saul. We know he, he had a Roman name, which is Paul, because he was born a free, he was born a, a free citizen. Acts chapter 13 says that he was also called Paul, not name what changed to Paul. But he was Saul, named after the first king of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin. He was the, the leader of the Cilician synagogue. He was a murderer. He was, he was, I mean, he was a zealot of all zealots when it came to the law. And these Christians showed up and he had letters and rules. He had everything under the world to go and arrest them, force them to deny Jesus Christ, have them put to death. It was him who gave the thumbs up when they stoned Stephen to death in the midst of the council. That was the guy right there. And on the road to Damascus, the Lord showed up to him. And he says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he says, who art thou, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, who thou persecutest. And Paul's very next word was, what would thou have me to do? That boy was converted, saved, born again, a chosen vessel, born out of due season. Man, he never looked back. Three days later, he got his eyesight back, took in some meat, and went and started preaching that Jesus was the Christ. Spent 40 days in Arabia, comes back to Damascus. Now he's proven that Jesus was the Christ. And every place he went, they tried to kill him. Why? Because he's preaching the very Christ. The very one he was persecuting before. So what is Paul saying? 
He said, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is with me. Paul writes to the Philippian church, another church that he started in the house of, of Lydia, the woman of Thyatira. He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now that doesn't tell you to work your salvation. You don't, you don't work your way to salvation. It's a free gift. But once you are saved, he said, you need to work it out. You need to get busy. There's some labor that you're going to have to do. And it's going to be associated with problems and trials in your life. He writes to the church of Colossae in Colossians 1.29, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Guys, I'm telling you that the Christian life is a life of labor. It's a life of toil. But it's not a life of loneliness. You see, his promise in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus' promise in Matthew 11 was rest unto your souls. He didn't say anything about your body. He said, I'll give you rest unto your souls. You know, guys, if you don't rest unto your souls, rest unto your mind, that peace, that joy, that I mean, that, that, that just that rest, that peace, that happiness, that joy that's there, man, you can work your body to a mm-hmm. frazzle. You can work and work and work, get rest, work and work and work when you've got that peace of heart and mind. Christian toil flows from fellowship with the living Christ. The overshadowing, defining reality tonight is this. He's meek and he's lowly. Notice me in the same verse where Jesus Christ reveals his nature. I want you to see now a command. Guys, last week we heard of his call. But his call, come unto me, verse 28. Now we see in verse 29, we find a command. I want you to see this with me. Now look carefully in the screen. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Notice something very quickly with me here this evening. There's not a question mark there. There's not a suggestion. There's not a recommendation. There's not, he doesn't say, will you? He says, take. Take my yoke. That's a commandment, friend. The very passages of Scripture where he is revealing his heart to the entire world, he also gives a command. The very passages of Scripture where he's calling you to come and find peace and rest, to unload your burden and take on his yoke, the very same group of Scriptures, he says, now I've got a command for you. Take my yoke. Take my yoke. You know what a yoke is? A yoke is a device meant to carry. A yoke is a tool. It's an instrument of burden. It is designed for the beast, the oxen, if you will, to pull the plow, drag the cart, or move heavy rubble from one place to another. It is not a very comfortable item. It's an instrument of labor. It is a tool of burden. Yet we notice what the Lord says. He says, my burden... Is light. The command is take my yoke. And that yoke carries a burden. But he says, my burden's light. You know, guys, this life gives us daily things to carry throughout our 24 hours, to carry throughout our seven days. There's many in here right here, right now. You're plotting way back in the back of your mind. You're trying to pay attention. You're doing a great job. But back here, man, you're thinking what I gotta do tomorrow. And what do I got to do Tuesday? Oh, I got to get this done by Thursday. Oh, man, Friday's coming, you know. And then there's Saturday. And that's what that burden is, guys. Our life brings things into us that we carry and we bur- we're burdened down with. But the reality is, you can only carry the burden right now. You can't borrow tomorrow's grace to carry tomorrow's burden. You can only carry the burden of today. There's one thing about a yoke. I'll say this to you about a yoke. 
The beast that carries the yoke is marked for life. Many of you guys know before we moved here, we had a, we had a, a horse farm in Tennessee. We took on some rescues. You know, we had a bunch of horses and 16 of them, I think, at one time. They'd get out, they'd run over, they'd tear everything up. First one we had was a, a draft horse, 1,500 pounds underweight. He was a, a perch rod. He was massive. I mean, literally looked like an elephant walking in the field. It was huge. It marks all over his back where he'd been beaten. But there's a mark that every horse who's ever had a yoke laid to them, who's ever worked the field, who's ever laid it, when you look at their withers, you look at the withers right up there on top of those shoulders, and no matter how black they may be, no matter how brown, beige, fawn, whatever it may be, they'll have a group of gray hairs grow out. Those gray hairs are a mark that they've borne the yoke. And beloved, those who bear a yoke in this world today, they're marked forever. The load that they carry, the scars that they endure, the only way a yoke can be applied to an animal, the only way an oxen can take that yoke upon them or that draft horse in order to serve their purpose, they have to be broken. They have to be trained. They have to be tamed, if you will. Matter of fact, there's an old saying, and, and this is well older than I am, so don't come to me and say, hey, this is an old, old saying. When a horse was broken and ready to fit to be served, he was told that he, 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 was, he was said that he had been meat. Meek, just like Jesus Christ is meek and lowly, but those horses, when they're ready to go, they've been meek. I want you to let that sink in for just a while. Let it sink in. That the same Lord says, I am meek and lowly and hard, the same word is used when a horse is ready to do the work, when he's prepared for the field, that he's been meeked. A wild horse or a wild ox is dangerous. They're a danger to themselves and they're a danger to those around them. But once they've been meeked, once they've been humbled, if you will, man, they'll serve a grand purpose. We've got to choose. You're going to carry a yoke one way or another in this life. You're either going to carry yours that's going to be heavy laden, you're going to carry yours that's burdened down, or you can take his yoke. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care. Watch this. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Beloved, it's his burden. What, what, what the yoke is carrying somehow, some way, when it's in the show, on the shoulders and in the arms of our Savior, Jesus says it's light. Life is not without hardships. We know that. Our rest is given to our souls. It's rooted and grounded uh, in coming to Jesus, not just for salvation, but daily to take his yoke upon us. Our yoke is heavy. Our yoke is burdensome. Our yoke is weary. And yes, it's painful. And sometimes the pain seems unbearable. And it's meant to be so because the Lord wants you out of your yoke. And he wants you in his. His yoke is easy. His burden is light to carry. And there's one single reason why it is. There's a kinship. There's a kinship. It's why his burden is light. Take my yoke upon you, and the Bible says to learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Jesus says learn 
of me. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, it says, But grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. I can say this to you now. If you're living, you should be growing. And if you're growing, you must be learning, else you're merely existing, waiting to die. Think about that for a second. He says, learn in me. We have a kinship with Jesus. We have, we have one who is meek and lowly in heart. Not only did he say, take my yoke upon you, he said, learn of me. Learn who I am. Come to know me. So who are you learning of today? Meek and lowly Jesus? Who do you think he Why is he saying, learn of me? Why do you think that burden is a little light? Why do you think tonight that his yoke is easy? We'll get into that in just a moment. Why is his eye so heavy? I mean, if you stop and you think about it just for a second, uh, you might want to. I mean, he took the sin of the world. He took the, the pain of the world. He took off the robes of glory and stepped out of eternity down here to live this 33 and a half years in this world. And he, the Bible says he's a man acquainted with sorrow and grief. And we see the pain that he suffered. He died the, most, uh, the, the worst death anybody could ever die. And he was tortured up before that. And yet he says, my burden's light. My yoke is easy. And here we are kicking around this world today, doing whatever. And he says ours is labor. Ours is heavy labor. One of the greatest chapters to see the kinship of Jesus in our life is Colossians chapter 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter tonight, I understand that. But I want to show you a few verses to where I want you to let it sink in this evening of why his burden is light. Why his yoke is easy. Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 tells us this, that you might work worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. We are partakers with Jesus. The Bible tells us we are joint heirs with Jesus of the inheritance of the saints in life. So I want you to read about him now and learn about him in the next verses, verses 13 through 17. Who, speaking of Jesus, hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have the redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven that are in earth, that are visible, that are invisible. Whether they be thrones, whether they be dominions, or principalities and powers, all things are created by him and for him. And he was before all things, and by him all things consist. That's our kinship. The very one who says, put your burden down and take mine upon you, is the very one who everything that you see today Consist because of you. The molecular structure of that chair that you're sat in tonight is held together with its atoms because Jesus wills it. Because he wants it to. Think about that. You say, preacher, I just can't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it. That's your choice. You don't have to be right either. That's your choice. That's called faith tonight. <laughs> Our text, verses 20 through 30, says, what does it say? Come unto me, he says. I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. He says, I am meek and lowly, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. When it all boils down to everything, when we're talking about this yoke, talking about this burden, the reason his yoke is easy and the reason his burden is light is because it's his. It's all about him. He's in there with us. That's the kinship tonight. You're not carried by your, your burden, your yoke in this world, mine. I'm loaded. That's why it's heavy. That's why it's beating us down. I so bad. Well, we don't have a yoke anymore at the gym. I don't have mine either. I so bad wanted us to get one from the gym. And I was going to get Robbie. To, I was going to load the thing up and just make it just where it was just heavy, right? And then jump in there with him and say, look at that. A little bit lighter, isn't it? And I've been hard to load it down and get it to where it's heavy for him, but nonetheless. I'm just here to tell you guys. The yoke is easy and the burden is light. It's because it's his. And he's in there. You want peace in your life, the peace that you search for? Now take his yoke. You want, listen, take his burden. Because he's in there with you. You want to keep carrying your own? You want to keep feeling the pressure? You want to keep getting beat down? You want to keep dealing with those? You want to keep laboring through this life, trying to find that peace that's never going to come your way? Well, you just keep doing it your way. But if you want that peace in your life, if you want that rest for your souls, get in with Him. It's all about Christ tonight. It's His yoke. You get in there with His yoke, we understand Hebrews 13, verse 5. Where he says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. The darkest moments of your life, if you're in that yoke with him, he'll never leave you, nor forsake you. The brightest days of your existence, you're in that yoke with him, he'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Jesus' nature is meek and lowly in heart. He is carrying the load because of the kinship we have for him. He simply says, come unto me. And guys, there is great, there's a great reason tonight one that we can take on board today, one that we can carry forth in the week and carry forth in the month and the years of our lives. Yes, our burden is heavy. Our yoke is tough. We work through life seeking peace, desiring rest, looking for joy. And all the while, you know what happens? We're nearly finished. All the while, Jesus Christ astounds and sustains us with his endless kindness. Kindness. You see, the notion of kindness is in our passage, yet you may not have seen it yet. We miss it if we don't pay attention. We mistakenly look at the word easy, uh, speaking of that yoke, we look at that word and we think that it, it means uh, without great effort or difficulty, which in today's terms, that's what easy means. But the word translated easy in verse 30, where he says, my yoke is easy, needs to be carefully understood because the word is Christos. It's the Greek word Christos, and it's used seven times in the New Testament. It's translated into the word easy one time, which is in our text. Another time is translated better. Another time goodness. Another time good. And another time gracious. Those are all great, wonderful words. Far from the modern usage of the word easy today. But I want you to see this. Two times in the New Testament is translated into the word kind. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love ye your enemies, do good, lend, and hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. And then again in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, Ephesians 4.32, he tells us, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, forgiven you. Jesus is not saying life is free from pain. He's not saying it's free from hardship. Consider what he's saying. He says, uh, he says look, a yoke is a heavy crossbar. 
It's a lead to an auction. It's forcing them to drag farming equipment to a field or, or a cart uh, to be designed to a desired location. It is a tool of labor. It's a tool of work. It, 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 it's used for exertion of great force. It's almost an ironic imagery, if you will. He's saying that my yoke, my tool of labor, my tool of burden is easy. It's kind. It's good. It's gracious. It's better. Why? Because it's his. He's in the yoke with us. And his yoke to us is that of kindness. Beloved, only as we walk ever deeper into the tender kindness can we live a Christian life as the New Testament calls us to. Only as we drink down the kindness of heart, uh, the kindness and heart of, of Christ, can we have a legacy as Christ left the world, living a life worth leaving to others. Everywhere we go, the remembrance of a heavenly presence touching the lives of others and the manner of the Lord's life has touched our own. That's what the yoga kindness does. That's what the burden that is light that we carry with him does to those that are around us. One day we'll pass from, from this life into the next, and I hope we startle the world with a glimpse of divine kindness too great to be locked in by what we deserve. Do you know resisting such a yoke tonight in my mind, resisting such a yoke is, is equivalent to refusing the, the, the burden of a life preserver in the midst of the ocean while you're drowning. Now, I don't want that right there. It, it'll be too tight around my waist. I don't want that. It's too tight around my neck and my shoulders. I'll be okay. You're drowning. Just say, no, Lord, I don't want your yoke. Yesterday or last week, there was a call. Today, there is a command to take the yoke of the Lord upon you, to learn of him. He's carrying the load with us as a result of his kinship, rooted and grounded in a yoke of kindness tonight. Beloved, the psalmist penned these words in Psalm 55, verse 22, and we are finished. He said, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. So I ask you this question tonight. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know what you may or may not be dealing with. I don't know how busy or how burdensome or how much of a struggle you have in your days tonight, but this is one thing I do know. Number one, no matter what you're going through, someone else already has. Number one, no matter what you have been through, someone else is going through it right now. And no matter what burden you may be carrying, no matter what labor you may be performing in this world today, the yoke of kindness is still in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is simply telling you, take my yoke. But you can't have two. You only have one. You take your yoke and you put it down. And you say, you know what? I'll get in there. I'll hook in with you. I'll get inside that yoke because it is a yoke of kindness. And the burden is light. Be by grace. Father, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and time tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would bless the words to the hearts and the ears of the hearers this evening. I pray that you make a difference in each one of our lives. And I pray, dear Lord, that we can carry forth this evening. Now, Lord, let us not be soon forgetful of that which we've heard how we can apply it in our life immediately. How we can apply it in our days. And Father, we'll be so ever grateful and thankful for what you've done for us in our life this evening. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And I do hope and pray that preaching and teaching is a blessing to your heart this evening.